0: Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about IPM. In our spotlight, we're going to look at Alta Seeds launching some herbicide-tolerant sorghum. Ag History Minute, we're going to look at the birth of just sustainable agriculture. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll give you an update on where we are with GDUs. So with me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomberg.
1: hey to all the tilthies out there,
0: Bill Schomberg. hey guys, and I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it is a hot, hot week, and looking just as bad going forward.
1: Bad or good? This is good corn. Bad corn for me, corn good for the, the corn. Yeah, it's well, great for the corn.
0: We're we're getting wasted heat though. Yes. Yeah, corn true. tops out at eighty six. do over eighty six, so the ninety. Just, yep. We'll yep. take
2: it though we needed it after talking about our gdus last week where we we were behind so we were catching up though hopefully at the end of this podcast we'll talk about how we're going to be ahead
3: the the benefit is we have had sufficient moisture to combat this heat good I'm point i'm not not seeing a whole lot of stuff that's really starting up yesterday i saw pineapple. some just starting to pineapple yeah. in
1: certain spots so I saw but some. it was look more heat you know, obviously it does it sometimes just to sort of get away from the heat. Yep. It looked more of that related than just being dry and mine too hot. was
2: Mine was a late-planted corn after forage rye. Oh, yeah, that, that would be drying.
3: Dry. It was about six inches tall. I saw some curling. stuff that was super compacted that looked dry. Sure. You could tell where, you know, the tracks were and um, it was on the, a field edge where, you know, water usually sits. And that stuff, you could just tell, didn't put on great roots. And as soon as it started getting hot and dry, it was struggling. So there's your lesson for the day, guys. Don't yeah. compact corn. <laughs> it is it is July now, so we should expect this 85 yeah. oh, to yeah.
2: 90. Usually we don't get this
0: many days in a row, though, of 90 degrees and above. No.
3: Last year, did it ever hit 90? September? It was yeah, in time. September. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't
0: September because September was cold
2: last year. It was the September before. I was remember it? a September hit. It yeah. was
3: two years ago on opening day of bowl season. I climbed yeah. in my stand. And it was ninety three degrees. Oh. Yeah, no, two years ago it's good on way to start out September. Money. That was our <laughs> it was, it was, that was our first ninety degree day of the year. It was, it was in September, like yep. September like seventeenth. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
2: Good news though is this is going to push harvest. You know, we've had two terrible falls for harvest, so hopefully this will push our harvest up a lot sooner, and we can get things done this fall with. Manure and cover crops and winter wheat. Maybe we'll actually have some winter wheat planted this fall.
3: It could happen. Amazing. I saw manure being spread on hay fields yesterday, following second crop, and it was crusty and well, it dry. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Like it looked. It looked the way manure is supposed to look when it goes on hay. Not. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we're at July second. Who's got the tallest corn? Max. Max. Matt? probably.
3: I got stuff up to my ears. Yeah, I got well, stuff up. Boat head tall, yeah. I would, I should say, it was at my ears last week, Thursday. So I'll see how tall it is today.
0: Yeah, it's at that. I've got corn that's at that awkward stage where you're walking it, and you're like, ah, just get a little bit taller so it's not slapping me in the face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right in that. Right in that bad spot. So. Real world problems, right there. Yep. First world problem. Corn slaps you in the face when you walk through it.
1: Doesn't it always slap you in the face after it's over your head? Not as bad. No, you're it's, right. Once the whirl is past your head, yeah. it's better. But,
3: yeah. So you got Once. the whirl right at your. Yeah, it's when you get the you're really in. good corn where the cobs are at your head, and yeah. you're walking like yeah. twenty inch corn with the cob right at your head, and you can hit your head on the cob.
2: And usually, That's when good. it's that tall, the cob is ginormous too, right? Yeah, so you get a big one. Yep, it's good.
0: All right, well, let's get into it. We're talking about IPM, which is stands for Integrated Pest Management. So, what is IPM, guys?
1: A lot of people just say it's scouting, right? There you yeah. like, oh, go, you're scouting fields. Scout.
2: But, Don't treat till you scout, right? Yeah,
1: but a better way is to say this IPM, and we always got to you know shorten things up. But basically, it's a way to use thresholds when you scout. So, Max, do you want to go through the definition of it?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, integrated pest management is an effective and environmentally sensitive approach to pest management that relies on a combination of common sense practices. IPM programs use current comprehensive information on the life cycles of pests and their interaction with the environment. This information, in combination with available pest control methods, is used to manage pest damage by the most economical means and with the least possible hazard to people, property, and the environment. Good job, Max. If, you, right.
2: if this does not work out for you, Max, this is Crop Consulting, you have a voiceover. <laughs> that was a good read right there. The yeah. fitness
3: gram Pacer Test.
2: <laughs> so I think that last sentence kind
0: of hits on the threshold part of things. So economic thresholds, not just spraying because you can th- actually figure out, okay, well, is this going to do any damage? Is it worth spending the money throwing something at this?
2: There's lots of things we think about when we make a recommendation, right? Economics, uh, timing, how tall things are, you know, just everything that goes into making a recommendation. And you also got to think about hazards to people and environment and property, too. When you talk about that, even when we get a couple of weeks from now and we do fungicide applications and we get the airplane out there, you know there's that gets the neighborhood all worked up so is it a hazard to people as well or honeybees you know when we do fungus uh insecticide applications. so it's not just economics there's other things that go into it when we talk about uh making an application
0: yeah so with ipm there are the four pillars of ipm so i think if we each take one that'll then we can go We'd, through there's four uh. of us four pillars <laughs> So I will take the first one, set action threshold. So before taking any pest control action, IPM sets an action threshold. So point to which the pest population or environmental conditions indicate pest control must be taken. I've been seeing that a lot with wheat lately. I've got a couple farms that sprayed for armyworm and wheat because they were reaching that threshold or above. Um, so citing single pest does not always mean control is needed. Level at which pests will become an economic threat is critical to guide pest control applications and decisions.
3: Um, I just like to clarify, because I think people struggle with this sometimes, pests are not just bugs. Yeah, that, that's disease, bugs, weeds. Um, what else can we have? Wildlife. I don't know. Sure. We can't really control wildlife very well, but <laughs> yeah, anything that's detrimental to the crop. Yep. We'd like, like to we'd like to. Those cranes, those deer. Yeah, spray your hot sauce on your corn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, John- Johnson's hot sauce. <laughs>
0: All right, who wants the second pillar? Todd, you look like you want
1: the second pillar. The second pillar is monitor and identify pests. Not all insects, weeds, and other living organisms require control. There you go. So there's some beneficials. Many organisms are innocuous and some are even beneficial. IPM programs work to monitor pests and identify them accurately so that appropriate control decisions can be made in conjunction with action thresholds. This monitoring and identification removes the possibility that pesticides will be used when they're not really needed or the wrong kind of pesticide will be used. So, yeah, I think this one is a huge one, too. Is There's a lot of beneficials out there, especially when you're talking aphids. Um, whenever we get aphids, we get ladybug beetles and ladybug larvae. Um, and even in, like, elf, that's common in soybeans. We'll see that where you'll have a whole bunch of soybean aphids, but at the same time, if you go spray them, you might kill all your ladybugs. And if as you guys know, what repopulates quicker, the good stuff or the bad stuff? Bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. Bad, so right? it's that one's always hard where it's like you go kill off all the bugs and your beneficials and two weeks later you're at threshold again with the bad stuff because those are maybe keeping stuff under control. So even right now in Alfalfa, there's a lot of aphids in certain fields, especially new seedings. Um but the amount of ladybugs in there and ladybug larvae just mowing them down too is is good. So
2: I actually uh, had a scout yesterday. She went and swept and came back and had a little insect in her hand, and she said, "What is this?" I don't know what this is, and it was a ladybug larva. You
0: know? Did it bite her or not? No, I've it didn't bite her. Bite.
2: No, it didn't bite her. I just said those. That's a good guy. Yeah. So she put them. She walked back out into the field and, and she placed them, them gently. Yeah, placed the them gently.
3: I know. Last week we talked big about armyworm. Um, and we mentioned it already today, too, and one of those beneficial pests, I guess, is normally when you see blackbirds swarm in a field, you're not a big fan, but with the armyworm infestations, the blackbirds have been been hammering down the armyworms, so they've actually been a little beneficial this week. Next week, we'll see how we feel about them, but as of right now, they've been doing a good job. Too bad we can't get the seagulls to do that, too.
0: <laughs> yep, and we talked last week about armyworm and the parasitized, wa- or wasps that parasitize the armyworm, so that's a
2: beneficial there as well I'll take the pillar number three all right okay prevention is the first line of pest control IPM programs work to manage the crop the lawn or indoor space to prevent pests from becoming a threat so we want to stop the pest first right that would be the easier thing than controlling it in an agricultural crop this may mean using cultural methods such as rotation between different crops. We talked about that last week on uh, worms, so our rotations with this rye and cover crops is setting us up for for armyworms to be there. Uh, Selecting pest-resistant varieties and planting pest-free rootstocks. These control methods can be very effective and cost-efficient and present little to no risk to people or environments. So by preventing it, we don't have to treat it, so there's no chemicals involved, so that's very
3: important. Wait a second. Yeah. I thought our goal in life was just to spray as many chemicals as we could. No. And that's, and that's the funny <laughs> thing is like when people at people all ask me things like that, or, you know, all, all you guys want to do is spray pesticides. And that's actually spraying a pesticide means we have failed the first three steps realistically. Right. Cause we're always trying to avoid getting to that point. It's much more economical to prevent it than it is to fight it off yep. once it's already here. Well, and think about Think about BT and GMOs. You know this
2: whole hubbub about GMOs are bad for you. And think about how our scouting has changed. Maybe Max, it's a little bit before you, but you know our our profession was built on scouting and treating. You know uh, European corn borers and all those pests. And then BT came along, and we just we just don't scout for them anymore because they're not a problem. But look out! Look at How much insecticide we've we're not using anymore because of BTs and all these genetically uh, modified organisms that people don't think about. Like, yeah, that's GMOs and people don't like GMOs, but insecticides are pretty bad stuff. So that's gone down. So this prevention of using different cultural things like rotation, but also the BT and
3: resistant varieties is, is a big deal too.
0: All right, Max Control. All right,
3: Control. Once monitoring, identification, and action thresholds indicate that a pest control is required and preventative methods are no longer effective or available, IPM programs then evaluate the proper control method both for effectiveness and risk. Effective, less risky pest controls are, are chosen first, including highly targeted chemicals such as pheromones to disrupt pest mating or mechanical control such as trapping or weeding. If further monitoring... Identifications and action thresholds indicate that less risky controls are not working then additional pest control methods would be employed such as targeted spraying of pesticides broadcast spraying of non-specific pesticides is a last resort.
0: Yep, so there you go. It's not our first necessarily line of action but if we can't do the prevention we can't stop the things from happening and it gets above that economic threshold then we go to control. And that's when we might spray a pesticide or a herbicide or a fungicide and try to take take out that threat from the equation.
3: And I guess we've done, we focused a lot on the insect side of it. Our preventative measures in like soybeans is to put down a pre emerge, not wait until we have water hemp and then try and kill it, because it's not usually very easy to do so. So Well yeah, and there are specific
0: pests like water hemp, palmer amaranth. Um, giant ragweed can be hard to control. So, certain things that we have to take, you know, that part of that prevention is doing a chemical program that gets it out there early, not in the heat of the summer when you can have potentially more off target movement. Right, more problems with moving off the field. So, uh, timing is a big part of this too, I think. So.
1: If you guys had to rank the pillars, which do you think are most important? Or do you think they're equal?
3: Well, prevention is the most important Yeah, I put a lot of stock in prevention.
1: I think the thresholds is my number two because it is nice that you don't just... Like a lot of times when guys are cutting hay right now and they see like, oh, there's all these bugs. It's like, yeah, that's okay to have bugs. Like it's having thresholds that are accurate and know, okay, once it reaches... This point we should treat, and under that you're you'll be just fine. You that just really cut a
2: hundred acre field with your with your mower. You went across something. every inch of that, so every bug that was in that it shakes down, shakes on down it, on your cutter head, and you, you. That's where going out and doing the scouting and knowing the threshold is important because I've got I get so many calls every year about that. It's it, like in just, an absolute panic. Simmer down now.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh it's crazy sometimes. I, I know we've gotten calls when we're on the farm, so we can actually go to the field that they're cutting in and see what they're... They, it's always... We're sure it's leafhoppers this time. We know it's leafhoppers, and it very rarely is it actually leafhoppers. A lot of times it's aphids. aphids I think aphids, that's yeah. the... But, yeah. And for that peace of mind, I did look up because I couldn't remember the exact number. Yeah, ladybugs
0: eat up to 50 aphids a day. So...
1: Up to...
3: Yes, okay. up to stop still it,
2: a lot. Up to yeah, 50 is 50. a lot though. Ooh,
3: fifty, I'm Yeah. Well, I know I know a couple hayfields that if some uh, some ladybugs wanted to, it would be like, you know, golden corral in there for them. Yeah, yeah. Do you well, guys Do
2: you guys think that the the uh, monitoring and the thresholds that's kind of the easiest one to do? Like, you go out, you look, you it's a number, right? You go out, you scout. Yep, we're here. We got a treat. Nope, we're not there. Or is it a little bit ambiguous because is the number building? Is the number retreating? I've had both scenarios over my career of you scout and it's not bad and you go back three, four days later and it's out of control. Or the opposite where it's like out of control and you go back three days later and you're like, what? Yeah,
1: crashes then all of a sudden some of that population, yeah.
2: I think
0: it's it's a moving target. The threshold isn't just like, oh, I checked it once, it was below, we're good. Like with alfalfa, we're checking it. Up to, you know, sometimes right up to harvest or a week or so from harvest. Because once you get that close, you're not going to treat. Probably no, before you harvest, you're going to treat after, if necessary. So, uh, and
2: yeah. insects probably are more that right where it's f- up and down. For weeds, it's like they're going to germinate, they're going to be there at some yeah. point. Then you're yep. gonna you're gonna go. But if it's insects, it's a lot factors, well, life cycles, weed, and weather, and number of weeds. Is your moving target with weeds? I mean, yeah.
0: If you get, you know, one weed every hundred square feet, is that really going to be that detrimental to the to the yield? No. But if you get big patches, or you know, that's where it gets tricky with weeds. Is all right. We got one big patch right in the middle. Are you going to spot spray it, or you just leave it,
3: or do you spray the whole field for this one patch? I think the uh forages especially your your alfalfa and hay crop management is nice because one of the tools we have that takes no chemical at all is cut it if we're close let's just we'll cut it a week ahead of what we were planning and take care of the problem and it'll be it'll be okay we might you know we might lose a little bit of yield because we cut it five days early but how much money would we have spent you know trying to go fight that pest another way which you still have to watch your harvest intervals and all that kind of stuff but uh it definitely has come up that hey let's just cut that early and and we'll be good.
0: Yeah. All right. So that does it for IPM. So hopefully you now know what it is we're doing when we're walking the fields a little bit more. And now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So in today's spotlight, we're looking at Seeds launches herbicide-tolerant sorghum lineup. So a hard part with sorghum has always been inability to control weeds during the growing season. You're very limited in what your options are. Uh, So a lot of times you gotta let weeds go. Well now, Seeds announced back on June 23rd a new herbicide-tolerant green sorghum technology that will allow over-the-top herbicide on uh, grassy and broadleaf weeds. So it'll be introduced for next season, 2021. And it's IMI herbicide or... Is this Do
1: you think it's Imiflex? Or do you... Th- like is the name of the the herbicide, yeah. Imiflex. Well,
0: yeah, that's the yeah, name of the... That's the yeah. active ingredient, yep. yeah.
1: Yeah, this is neat because we do need some more... You know, I've had sorghum that's concept treated seed, and then you could spray dual on it. Yep. Um, and that's a really nice technology. Um, but this to have some more technology in in sorghum to do some. It does say grain sorghum, and I I know most of ours is for forage, so I'm not sure when it'll come for forage sorghum. But uh, it'll be good just to have some more options. It did say that this is a non-GMO technology what i thought was interesting too so it was kind of through screening through germ plasm so it's a naturally occurring tolerance and there's no dna from any other species in it yep so, so bread for it now. yeah it's kind of an interesting technology that way which is neat is a lot of these are still um potentially non-gmo they're they're just kind of all the new advances in breeding and stuff that
3: they're able to find that so it's just, like, it's just like getting your Yorkie-poo. You just take the things you want and put them together. <laughs> you, get, you getting a Yorkie-poo, Max? I
2: absolutely not. <laughs> and know? Well, later in the article, it
0: kind of hints on what we just talked about. It says proper management and stewardship of the agro system is very important, so we're going to require a stewardship agreement that details best practices. So uh, you want to make sure you're using it when you need it, not necessarily just as an automatic So that's IPM right there.
3: Man, I'm sensing a trend here,
0: guys. (laughs) All right, let's move into the Ag History Minute for today. Gotta love the banjo. All right. So, the birth of sustainable agriculture. So, following the farm crisis of the 1980s, led more farmers away from traditional crop production and toward growing alternative or high-value crops that were becoming increasingly popular with consumers. This included herbs and wildflowers, fish farming with crayfish, catfish, freshwater shrimp, and organic farming, which avoids or largely excludes the use of synthetic compounds like fertilizers, pesticides, growth regulators, and livestock feed additives in agricultural production. So many farmers during this period began to consider a wholly different approach to agriculture called sustainable agriculture, or a system of farming that maintained its productivity and usefulness to people forever. Sustainable agriculture was seen as being achievable by adopting methods of farming that conserved natural and farm resources, protected the environment, enhanced people's quality of life, and allowed farmers to stay economically competitive. So, yeah, Max, you're right. There is a theme there. So sustainable agriculture has been around for a long time, and it is the idea of, you know, IPM fits in with that very good.
2: Forever is a long time, though.
0: Yes, forever is forever. It'll take forever to get there. but
3: <laughs>
2: so We'll never get there. <laughs>
3: we'll never right. get to forever. We've been in this car forever.
0: For, forever is like an NASCAR race. You just keep going around in circles. Go fast, turn left. turn left.
2: Yep. I'm going to hear that tomorrow, Max. We've got a five hour car right ahead of us tomorrow.
3: Are we there yet? Yes. Are we five there hours yet? with four kids. You know is what, like Bill? a 20 hour car ride. I really think that instead of you going tomorrow, you should really work a full day today, like 12, 14 hours, then get in the car and go.
2: We we talked about that, but the problem is, then we get there in that midnight to one p- am hour, and then their kids are still up, and our kids are up, and they're all jacked up, and then they're just crazy. So, and then it's like two, and then we're all tomorrow or Saturday will be bad.
3: Cause and then you shoot you shoot the whole you yeah. shooting the whole day in the foot then because the day after it's always just yep. miserable. So Saturday's shot because then everyone's crabby, and
2: so we're just gonna. Go to bed tonight. Get up in the morning. Get there by noon. We're good. Leaving early. Yep.
3: Seven a.m. The kids are more lethargic in the morning. Yes.
0: That equates a week.
3: You do. You do. you announce it to your house the night before? Do you say BIS seven a.m. Yes. Butts in seats seven a.m.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will use that.
3: I did not use it. That was it acronym. was not BIS in my house. It was AIS. But you get the point. Yeah. But yeah, we used to hear the the bis seven fifteen. <laughs> Except for ours is always like, if my dad had to announce it, we were leaving at like three o'clock in the morning to go yeah. somewhere. Yeah, it'll be my
2: number three kid
3: that'll be the hardest to. Come get on, up, let's get out go. Bed, yes, the thing that I don't get for kids, you get to get in the car and go right back to sleep. It's not the right
1: same. if nah. you can sleep
3: in a car. Oh, oh that's
1: so true. best to sleep in the car. It was like. I could never sleep in a car. Well, kids love sleeping in cars, though. They fall asleep like nothing.
3: My lovely fiance, she sleeps the whole way to anywhere we're going, and she still complains that we get in the car early in the morning. And I'm like, you sleep the whole way, and I drive. And it's not like I need a navigator. Why would I ask for directions? I know where I'm going.
2: You're a man. Yeah. That's yeah. for directions. Oh, you
1: got your iPhone or what? With the uh, Yeah. Yes.
3: That's why it takes the extra three hours. <laughs> no, we only go. <laughs> Turn around and get back to work. We only go like three places and it's all places we've driven our entire lives. So we got it figured out. We go to like her parents' house, my grandparents' um, house. And the cabin. The cabin. Yeah, it's, her grandparents' house. Four. We go to yeah Elkhorn, Crivets, East, and where else do we go? Yeah, the other side of the state, a couple small towns, and Culver's. Culver's, yeah, I know, I definitely <laughs> know how to get there in my sleep. Every one of them, but they're not open at seven a.m. So, no, we we'll don't get to get a, You're right, to 10. Inside
1: of Culver's,
3: ten, ten to cloud. ten. Yeah. Can you imagine Culver's at breakfast? Holy oh. buckets! <laughs> It'd be busy all day. That would be that would be world changing. Can you imagine the coffee clutches that would go on at Culver's? <laughs> Think about oh, what it. Oh yeah, people, people. Well, it's like a McDonald's retired, thing right now. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Retired guys. A yeah. yeah, it's a McDonald's thing, and the food there isn't that good, and the coffee is not great. So, can you imagine one of those coffees? Is, breakfast it's, it's, is like the, the best thing on. McDonald's does. I know, but yes. it's still, can you imagine if Culver's did breakfast, how good it would be? It would probably be good. They'd probably <laughs> serve classics like the buckwheat pancake. <laughs> all right, Todd.
1: All right, if you like what you're hearing, please go to naicc.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. There you'll find a crop consultant in your area. And please subscribe to your podcast. That's all we ask. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. But, but just subscribe. And tell a farmer friend. Show him what a podcast is. Show them on... Most guys have smartphones now. So you're just like, hey, your smartphone has Podcast Attic, this podcast player. And here's a really cool podcast that you can listen to.
3: What apps are we not available on?
1: We are... Not on Spotify. Not on Spotify
3: but the rest of them. Well, we're not Alexa either. Yeah, that's not an app. They don't yeah. Or st- we'll get there. I don't think we're on Stitcher either. I don't know what that is. I don't think we're on Stitcher because right. I had a farmer ask me and I said if you can't find us, we're probably not. But everything else we should be. We'll get on them. Yep. We're working on we'll it. We'll call. I'll yeah. call the
0: CEO. I'll deal with right. it. And All don't right. don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. And if you have any suggestions, feedback, anything that you want to do, please let us know through those mediums. We've got to get more of those. Fan mail. Yep. So far, we've only had the one one, one suggestion for an episode. We're, w- we're willing to listen. Not guaranteeing we're going to put your <laughs> suggestion on air, but we're willing to listen. All right. So let's go into our cool beans, or that's corny for the week. So cool beans. Cool beans.
2: Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool
0: beans. Cool beans. All right. Today's cool beans is kind of a backhanded cool beans, <laughs> but farmers fall short of corn planting forecast. So deterred by a trade war, pandemic, and a bit of bad weather, U.S. farmers have effectively chopped one billion bushels off the corn crop by planting far less corn they had planned on in early spring, according to USDA. So it should be good for prices, which is the good thing. That's the, that's the, cool, the cool beans. Cool beans?
1: No, this, this is very down the middle. I agree, Matt, that it could be a, that's corny as well because, I mean, we... We were projected to plant almost 97 million acres of corn and are going to probably fall short of that. So 92, not, 92, 92 million. Is what they, um, okay, the one spot I did see, 97, which I don't know whose projection that no, was. No, 92 is the actual seed. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. thank you. So we were projected to be 97, we hit 92. So And it is interesting, the disparity, because sometimes corn beans can be quite close and beans are at 83 million so we've got, you know, sometimes those can be kind of neck and neck around that 86 to 88 million
2: acres. That's still a lot of acres. It's a lot. It's, yeah, Fathom that. It's pretty-
3: Do you think in our area we saw some corn acres be cut because we had really good alfalfa seeding weather this spring? And yeah. we took advantage of it because we assumed that once again our alfalfa was going to be dead and we kind of... I know a couple of my guys, they, they really jumped their alfalfa acres just because we had the opportunity for once to actually get alfalfa in on time. Yeah, yeah. I think that is part of it. I don't know that you necessarily lose 5 million acres. No, I don't think that has no, we're the, such a drop, the drop in the
1: bucket thing. to that. But, but no, yeah, but it's interesting. Just, just, just in our area specifically, where where I see went.
3: that as a pretty big contributor. Yeah, because the last two years. We were planting alfalfa on the 4th of July last year. Or we planted it and it drowned it out
2: and we replanted it. Also
3: also correct, yes.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. And our, that's Corny for this week. It's 2019 harvest in June. North Dakota farmers say frost is still in the ground. So in North Dakota, they are still harvesting last year's crops. And uh, there's a local guy that we... So I do this once and we called it half cropping where you have one crop in two years. So you get a jump, you get a
2: jump on this year's crop,
0: but
3: we got mean, a honest, head start on out. 2020 harvest. That's right. We started in June. So
1: no, well, that is the, the, that's corny that goes with is obviously these are reasons why there's less 2020 corn. Yep. Another reason because you're still planting 20 or you're harvesting 2019. So yeah, for hopefully guys in North Dakota, I mean, I just, this must, that would just suck. You know, you feel for those guys having to harvest this corn that's been out there, and hopefully the the picture they show of it, it's still...
3: It's standing really well. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's
1: not all just laying flat, so that's good. And should be nice and dry. Yeah.
3: If you guys remember, this is probably from, like, one of our first episodes, we talked about how last, probably early November, the Dakotas got, like, two feet of snow that's I mean this is probably still the aftermath of that. Yeah, some of that see. stuff getting buried and just not being able to get after it. Yeah, so they fo- one farmer found frost
0: in the ground. He had been out in the field earlier that day and was trying to work some ground, he got stuck and found frost where he was trying to work. <laughs> in so July. In, in June. In June, yeah, the end
2: of June. So wow. it's like the don't the local TV stations always find a giant snow pile and then they watch it melt and see how long it goes kind of yep, like the this: last so like snow, the last yeah. snow the last frost here is June that's nuts all right and to wrap it up we'll give you a GDU update that that's the sound we need <laughs> so especially going into this week when we're going to have it's going to be a hot, lot of them yeah. big jump, yeah. hit it again for good measure <laughs>
0: All right, somebody take it away from him. <laughs> yeah, he's got a hot button. <laughs> Look Some out! Moments. Somebody take his sword. <laughs> so we we went to the same three locations. We're so starting in Krivitz up north. To date, they are at from. Uh, as a reminder, this is from May first. So to date, from May first, seven hundred and eleven GDUs. Last week, five seventy-seven. So normal, seven hundred and nineteen. And that's a difference of negative 8. So they're just below normal yet. In the next 14 days, they're expected to get up to 1,061 GDUs. Last week, they were negative 38, Matt. Yep, so they're catching up. Now to Seymour, where we are. To date, 798, normal 774. So we are 24 GDUs above normal. And over the next two weeks, 14 days, we're going to get up to 1,171, according to the forecast. So that pace will be harvesting corn silage on August
3: 23rd. <laughs> yes. You, you yes. We could keep that pace yes. or not. It's, <laughs> no.
1: like, it's like when they say in sports, you're like on pace for...
2: He's on pace to hit 400 home runs run, this year yeah, for the playoffs. Yep. Right, yeah. in that, yeah. I'm is it like a magic is, number? Like, like magic number is it, three? So she can like on, only use
1: like... Two, the first two weeks of the season, and they're like, "Oh, or, he's on pace for like, yeah, eighty touchdowns this year." <laughs> when a guy be so only good. four teams
3: can get a perfect season. But, yeah, wow, when a when a guy hits uh, two home runs on opening day of baseball, and yeah. they're like, "He's on pace for one thousand three hundred sixty three home runs." Yeah. It's like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> two home runs every game for a hundred and what is One hundred sixty two games. Not this. Year. Not this year. No, yeah. no just six, 62? sixty two. Sixty. Sixty games starting July twenty fourth. Who's excited? Uh, oh, that's it,
0: 60. That's, that's, yep. They're running out of players pretty fast, so I don't know if there'll be a season. <laughs> yeah. Cuz they
3: have the all the players have the option to uh, opt well, out if well, they want. Maybe since the minor leagues are all like canceling their seasons, they can pull up a bunch of minor leaguers and have them play. Might happen. It'd be like a strike season. Did the Timber
1: of. Rattlers cancel their season? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yesterday
3: or the day before was official. Yeah, I think it was like two We had other right Tuggers now. tickets, oh. all right? Oh. Non-refundable, but we got our tickets for next year already. Oh, so. yeah,
2: sweet. Just bumped you a year. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really need to take that away. Bro.
2: No, this is this is perfect
3: for the podcast. Go Tuggers, though. I'm a big Tuggers fan.
1: Are they having fireworks there at the Timber Rattler Stadium, though, this weekend?
3: No, there's idea. no game. I don't think so. There's I no sh- game.
1: It sure. Lo- I don't know. I seen the advertising for it. And I'm like, I well, thought App- a bunch of them canceled. And is, they're right?
3: still having Appleton fireworks. It's going to be at WIR. WIR. Okay, yeah. that's all right. Cool. Yeah, not at Timberlake. Cool, cool. You might
2: be able to see those, Max. I don't
3: know. I don't know if we're going to be home. We're trying to figure that out yet. Oh. But yeah, I, I know we're there is going to be a party at our house for the fireworks. So,
0: all right, and finally Sun Prairie. So down toward the Madison area, they were at eight forty four.
2: Normal's eight fifty two. So they are. Also, eight below normal. They were the biggest behind last week. Yep. Negative 45. So they've gained. They've gained quite a bit. And
0: next 14 days, forecast is 1,213
3: GDUs. Holy buckets. Expected to get a big jump there. So to to, uh, make that simple, it's going to be hot.
0: Yes. Long term forecast is
3: like 90 degrees every day. For the next 10 days when, the, when so. the low is like 72 overnight, that's hot, yeah, yeah,
2: that makes a difference, right? It's for yes, GSUs, yeah, I mean, the days are hot, but the bad part
1: is, is corn can't respire then either. No. Like, corn at night needs a little break, too. So,
3: and, hopefully, and it's okay for like a week or two, but when yeah. you circle, eh, even that is a, a lot, wee, a, a week's
0: all right, yeah, but yeah, beyond that, it starts to get you're gonna see the corn plant growing too fast. It's gonna stress it. Yep. So
3: at least we're not like trying to do cob fill right now or something. Right, right. Pollination I mean, that would be worse. Because I remember right. probably pollination, four yeah. years ago we had this uh, stretch like this during cob fill and pollination, and it was not not ideal. Yeah.
2: But we got moisture now. So yeah, now that helps.
0: For now, at ninety degrees every day, that moisture. Yeah, and some yeah. places
1: didn't get. You know, it was so hit or miss it that right storm. There yeah. was spots that got two inches, spots that got only nothing. Actually, spots that got eight inches. Yeah, the yeah. Pum- the
3: pumpkin patch still had standing water last night, so <laughs> yeah. we're good. We're good. Are there any pumpkins
2: growing in the there? Is bag? there's
3: actually we have to spray. We uh, we did some IPM yesterday. We have to spray for uh, we got some bugs, so we're gonna get them. What do you use? I don't know. I <laughs> I Grandpa's concoction or listen, whatever. He can I buy. make a recommendation, but I'm farming with my brother not farming i pretend farming with my brother who knows nothing he's a business major my dad who never farmed well left the farm at 18 and my grandpa who's a retired farmer so between the four of us it's a it's a heck of a a battle to make to make decisions is so plus we got corn in there you got to be careful you know all sorts of things like that so all right well that'll do it for us for today so thanks for being here guys Thanks
2: thanks for having us matt thanks matt
0: And today we talked about IPM. We looked at some herbicide-tolerant sorghum in our spotlight. Egg History Minute talked about the birth of sustainable agriculture. Cool beans, that's corny. We planted less corn, but that should be good for prices. That's corny was North Dakota still harvesting last year's corn. And in our GDU updates, we're on the uptick, getting close to meeting normal or even going above with the hot weather, so... Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.